This is day 144 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be completing Isaiah chapters 37 through 41. Lord Heavenly Father, as we get closer and closer to Christmas, may we realize, Lord, that you are the reason why we celebrate. I know it's cliche, Lord, but you are the reason for this season. The significance of what you did coming into the world, taking on flesh, fulfilling all the prophecies of the Old Testament, all these wonderful things that you've done and you continue to do. Lord, may we appreciate and understand more of what you are and what you have done. And may that impact our lives to where we would be resistant to sin, and that we would just be glorifying and honoring you more often, lifting you up in prayer, spending more time with you, casting aside our selfishness. Lord, as we enter into your word today, please bless the reading of it. May it impact our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. And when King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and entered the house of the Lord. Then he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, with Shebna the scribe and the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth, to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz. They said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of distress, rebuke, and rejection. For people have come to birth, and there is no strength to deliver. Perhaps the Lord your God will hear the words of Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God, and will rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, offer a prayer for the remnant that is left. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah. Isaiah said to them, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him, so that he will hear a rumor and return to his own land and I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. Then Rabshakeh returned and found the king of Assyria fighting against Libna, for he had heard that the king had left Lachish. When he heard them saying concerning Tirhakah, king of Cush, he has come out to fight against you, and when he heard it, he had sent messengers to Hezekiah, saying, Thus you shall say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, Do not let your God, in whom you trust, deceive you, saying, Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands, destroying them completely. So will you be spared? Did the gods of those nations, which my fathers have destroyed, deliver them? even Gozan and Haran and Rezeph and the sons of Eden, who were in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, the king of the city of Sepharvaim, and of Hena and Eva? Then Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it, and he went up to the house of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, saying, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, 
who is enthroned above the cherubim. You are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And listen to all the words of Sennacherib, who sent them to reproach the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have devastated all the countries and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. So they have destroyed them. Now, O Lord our God, deliver us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. Then Isaiah the son of Amoz sent word to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Because you have prayed to me about Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, this is the word that the Lord has spoken against him. She has despised you and mocked you, the virgin daughter of Zion. She has shaken her head behind you, the daughter of Jerusalem. Whom have you reproached and blasphemed? And against whom have you raised your voice and haughtily lifted up your eyes? Against the Holy One of Israel. Through your servants you have reproached the Lord, and you have said, With my many chariots I came up to the heights of the mountains, to the remotest parts of Lebanon. And I cut down its tall cedars and its choice cypresses, and I will go to its highest peak, its thickest forest. I dug wells and drank waters, and with the sole of my feet I dried up all the rivers of Egypt. Have you not heard? Long ago I did it. From ancient times I planned it. Now I have brought it to pass, that you should turn fortified cities into ruinous heaps. Therefore their inhabitants were short of strength, they were dismayed and put to shame. They were as the vegetation of the field and as the green herb, as grass on the housetops is scorched before it is grown up. But I know you're sitting down, and you're going out, and you're coming in, and you're raging against me. Because of your raging against me, and because your arrogance has come up to my ears, therefore I will put my hook into your nose and my bridle into your lips, and I will turn you back by the way which you came. And this shall be the sign for you. You will eat this year what grows of itself, in the second year what springs from the same, and in the third year sow, reap, plant vineyards, and eat their fruit. The surviving remnant of the house of Judah will again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem will go forth a remnant, and out of Mount Zion survivors. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He will not come to this city or shoot an arrow there, and he will not come before it with a shield or throw up a siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, by the same he will return, and he will not come to this city, declares the Lord. 
for I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Then the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when men arose early in the morning, behold, all of these were dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh. It came about as he was worshipping in the house of Nisroch, his god, that Adramelech and Sherezer, his sons, killed him with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Ararat. And Esarhaddon, his son, became king in his place. In those days Hezekiah became mortally ill, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech you, how I have walked before you in truth and with a whole heart, and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, Go, and say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of your father David, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add fifteen years to your life. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. This shall be the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing that he has spoken. Behold, I will cause the shadow on the stairway, which has gone down with the sun on the stairway of Ahaz, to go back ten steps. So the sun's shadow went back ten steps on the stairway on which it had gone down. A writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after his illness and recovery. I said, In the middle of my life I am to enter the gates of Sheol. I am to be deprived of the rest of my life. I said, I will not see the Lord, the Lord in the land of the living. I will look on man no more among the inhabitants of the world. Like a shepherd's tent, my dwelling is pulled up and removed from me. As a weaver, I rolled up my life. He cuts me off from the loom. From day until night, you make an end of me. I composed my soul until morning, like a lion, so he breaks all my bones. From day until night, you make an end of me. Like a swallow, like a crane, so I twitter. I moan like a dove. My eyes look wistfully to the heights. O Lord, I am oppressed. Be my security. What shall I say? For he has spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I will wander about all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these is the life of my spirit. O restore me to health, and let me live. Lo, for my own welfare I had great bitterness. 
It is you who has kept my soul from the pit of nothingness, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. For Sheol cannot thank you, death cannot praise you, those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. It is the living who gives thanks to you, as I do today. A father tells his sons about your faithfulness. The Lord will surely save me, so we will play my songs on stringed instruments all the days of our life at the house of the Lord. Now Isaiah had said, Let them take a cake of figs and apply it to the boil, that he may recover. Then Hezekiah had said, What is the sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord? At that time, Merodach Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that he had been sick and had recovered. Hezekiah was pleased and showed them all his treasure house, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious oil and his whole armory and all that was found in his treasuries. There was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say, and from where have they come to you? And Hezekiah said, They have come to me from a far country, from Babylon. He said, What have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasuries that I have not shown them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and all that your fathers have laid up in store to this day will be carried to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your sons who will issue from you, whom you will beget, will be taken away, and they will become officials in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he thought, For there will be peace and truth in my days. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem, and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice is calling. Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. And let the rough ground become a plain, and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all flesh will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Call out. Then he answers, What shall I call out? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely 
the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, Here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and marked off the heavens by the span, and calculated the dust of the earth by the measure, and weighed the mountains in a balance, and the hills in a pair of scales? Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord, or as his counselor has informed him? With whom did he consult, and who gave him understanding? And who taught him in the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and informed him of the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop in a bucket, and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, he lifts up the islands like fine dust. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn, nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare with him? As for the idol... A craftsman casts it, a goldsmith plates it with gold, and a silversmith fashions chains of silver. He who is too impoverished for such an offering selects a tree that does not rot. He seeks out for himself a skilled craftsman to prepare an idol that will not totter. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted. Scarcely have they been sown. Scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth. But he merely blows on them, and they wither. And the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom, then, will you liken me, that I would be his equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and see who has created these stars the one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God?
Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Coastlands, listen to me in silence, and let the people gain new strength. Let them come forward, then let them speak. Let us come together for judgment. Who has aroused one from the east, whom he calls in righteousness to his feet? He delivers up nations before him and subdues kings. He makes them like dust with his sword, as the wind-driven chaff with his bow. He pursues them, passing on in safety, by a way he had not been traversing with his feet. Who has performed and accomplished it, calling forth the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, am the first and with the last. I am he. The coastlands have seen and are afraid. The ends of the earth tremble. They have drawn near and have come. Each one helps his neighbor and says to his brother, Be strong. So the craftsman encourages the smelter, and he who smooths metal with the hammer encourages him who beats the anvil, saying to the soldering, It is good. And he fastens it with nails so that it will not totter. But you, Israel, my servant, whom I have chosen, descendant of Abraham, my friend, you whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its remotest parts and said to you, You are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who are angered at you will be shamed and dishonored. Those who contend with you will be as nothing and will perish. You will seek those who quarrel with you, but will not find them. Those who war with you will be as nothing and non-existent. For I am the Lord your God who upholds your right hand, who says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Do not fear, you worm, Jacob, you men of Israel. I will help you, declares the Lord, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I have made you a new, sharp threshing sledge with double edges. You will thresh the mountains and pulverize them, and will make the hills like chaff. You will winnow them, and the wind will carry them away, and the storm will scatter them. But you will rejoice in the Lord. 
you will glory in the Holy One of Israel. The afflicted and needy are seeking water, but there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst. I, the Lord, will answer them myself. As the God of Israel, I will not forsake them. I will open rivers on the bare heights and springs in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land fountains of water. I will put the cedar in the wilderness, the acacia and the myrtle and the olive tree. I will place the juniper in the desert, together with the box tree and the cypress, that you may see and recognize and consider and gain insight as well, that the hand of the Lord has done this, and the Holy One of Israel has created it. Present your case, the Lord says. Bring forth your strong arguments, the King of Jacob says. Let them bring forth and declare to us what is going to take place. As for the former events, declare what they were that we may consider them and know their outcome, or announce to us what is coming. Declare the things that are going to come afterward, that we may know that you are gods. Indeed, do good or evil, that we may anxiously look about us and fear together. Behold, you are of no account, and your work amounts to nothing. He who chooses you is an abomination. I have aroused one from the north, and he has come. From the rising of the sun he will call on my name, and he will come upon rulers as upon mortar, even as a potter treads clay. Who has declared this from the beginning, that we might know? Or from former times, that we may say, He is right? Surely there is no one who declared. Surely there is no one who proclaimed. Surely there was no one who heard your words. Formerly I said to Zion, Behold, here they are. And to Jerusalem I will give a messenger of good news. But when I look, there is no one, and there is no counselor among them. Who, if I ask, can give an answer? Behold, all of them are false. Their works are worthless. Their molten images are wind and emptiness. Okay, so as we saw today, there seems to be a dividing point. What we read today from the first three chapters of today's reading seem to be familiar to us, and that's because they are. This is the same account that we have seen in the Kings and the Chronicles as to what happened during the life of King Hezekiah. So we don't need to go through this again, I don't think. So we can go ahead and move straight to chapter 40 and spend our time here, because there's a lot of good stuff here in these next two chapters. If you notice, there's a dramatic shift in the way things are being presented. Chapter 40 marks what's called the second half of the book. And there are some scholars that feel that this was not written by the same Isaiah, or this was much later in Isaiah's life. We're not sure. But be, the way that it's written is very different from the first half. But it, you can still tell it's Isaiah. 
But there's no reason to say that it wasn't him, especially because when Jesus quotes from this section of Scripture, from here till the end of the book, he mentions that it was Isaiah who said it. So if the Lord Jesus says it's Isaiah, then by golly, it's Isaiah. And that's good enough for me. So chapters 40 and 41 were chock full of prophecy and really deep things. Some of this has been fulfilled already. Some of this has not. For example, we see in verse 3, A voice is calling, Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. This is a prediction and a prophecy about John the Baptist. John the Baptizer was prophesied here that he was going to come out of the wilderness and proclaim the coming of the Lord, which he very much did. Then in verse 6, we see something that should be familiar to us that we see in the New Testament as well. All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. He is declaring that his word is eternal, and it will never change. The gospel of Jesus Christ has been the same from its announcement in the Garden of Eden. Everything that the Lord has said will happen is going to happen. Everything that he has promised is going to stand forever. He's never going to change his mind. Everything that God does is a permanent thing. Everything he has declared is going to be so. He is God. He speaks and everything comes into existence. Even inanimate objects fear him from what we saw earlier in the book. There is nothing that will disobey him and nothing that he can do that will go wrong. He is perfection. Who are we to challenge God and to question him when it says that we are like grass? His whole creation is like a fading flower. It is so temporary, so finite, so meaningless in comparison to him. Who are we to challenge him or to question him? That really puts things into perspective, doesn't it? How minuscule and how insignificant we really are in the sight of God. He's busy ordaining things in this entire universe. And here we are in this little speck upon a speck upon a speck in the universe. Here we are complaining that we didn't get what we wanted from God. Such shameful behavior. And it, it really is convicting me because we are so spoiled. He takes such good care of us that we don't understand what it's like to be without him. And we take his grace for granted so often. We really need to repent of that. We need to focus more on these things. It does say that, that we are supposed to focus on the things above and not on the earth below. Verses 9 through 11 are a depiction of the second coming of Christ, that Zion will be lifted up, it will bear good news, which is the gospel. Here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Because the second time around, he is going to come as a conqueror king. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He is going to have rewards for his saints, and he is going to have judgment for those that are not. 
Now, in relation to his creation, we just see how minuscule we are again, how small we are on this universe, and how big he is in comparison to it. It says that he measures the waters in the hollow of his hand. Imagine when you cup your hand, like you want to put some change or you want to put some water in your hand. The entire water of the universe fits into his hand in such a way. He marked off the heavens by the span. What is a span? It's if you were to stick out your index finger, your second finger, and your thumb. The distance between your two fingers there is called a span. That is how small the universe is to God. It fits in the palm of his hand. And don't don't forget as well, this is not to be taken literally. God is obviously not a giant. You know, what the whole point of this is, is that his glory, his spirit is so great, so beyond his creation, that he occupies all of it. He sustains it. He causes it to grow. He causes it to exist. He is everywhere all the time. He knows all things. He can do all things. There's nothing beyond his limit. And so that is what it's depicting here. Because again, by defining him with how big he is, in terms of space, is limiting him. He doesn't have a limit. And that's mind-blowing to think about because we don't understand that. We understand things being finite, but to understand infinity is beyond our ability. But such as he is, though. Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord, or as his counselor has informed him? Who taught God everything he knows? Who was his mentor? When did he come into being and learn all of this? He never did. He has always been, and he has always known all things. It's hard to understand, but that's the reality of our situation. Who did he consult with? Who, did, who gave him understanding? Who taught him in the path of justice? He's always been this way. This is just his nature. And then we see this depiction, and this should bring us some comfort, because especially if you're in a place where your government is corrupt and against God in some way, just know this, it doesn't hurt him at all. It hurts us because we are living in this environment, but it doesn't hurt him at all. It doesn't affect him. It doesn't bother him. Here's why. Verse 15, Behold, the nations are like a drop from the bucket and are regarded as a speck of dust. He lifts up the islands like, find us. This is so beneath him. People arguing against him and trying to disrespect him. He, it doesn't affect him at all. He's not affected by this. It doesn't hurt his feelings. He doesn't get discouraged. He doesn't get depressed. He is beyond all that. And if he easily wanted to wipe away the dust that is these nations, he could with just a quick swipe of his hand. They are nothing to him. Just like when we read Psalm chapter 2, right? All these nations are pitting against him, raising up their armies, trying to amass as much evil against God, and he's just sitting on his throne laughing at them, mocking them, scoffing at them, because what they're doing is futile. You can fight God all you want, but you will not ever win. 
He has already decided the outcome for you. He's already chosen who's going to be saved and who's not. Everything that is going on in your life has already been ordained for you. He already knows what you're going to do. He's just waiting for you to do it. Some people are born into honorable use. Some are for dishonorable use. That has all been written in the book. This is the truth. The truth hurts some people. They don't like what they hear. But this is the truth. We have to accept it at face value. Because that's who God is. Verse 17. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are regarded to him as less than nothing and meaningless. Try all you want to defy God. He's not affected at all. And make sure you explain that to him when you meet him in judgment. Then Isaiah goes into how idolatry is completely useless. You see God asking some questions here. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? All of this has been talked about from the beginning of human history, even before that. It was already declared. Where were you not paying attention? Then it shows how magnificent God is. Verse 22. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. The Bible is declaring that the earth is round. Okay, so that's pretty cool. Its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. And here's another one. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. Bear in mind, in this day, astronomy was not a big thing that they could grasp. There were no telescopes. There was no understanding of what was outside of this planet, except that they knew there were constellations. They knew that they were, there were celestial bodies. They knew that there were stars. But beyond that, the average person in the ancient world didn't know anything about what was outside of this planet. But here, God is describing how the universe is constantly expanding, even to this day. He is the one who is stretching them out like a curtain. And the earth is point zero. This is where it all began. So really, if you want to be completely technical... The oldest thing in the entire universe is planet Earth, if we took the Bible literally, which we should. The planet Earth is the oldest thing in the universe. How amazing and mind-boggling is that? And everything else was made for it. The boundless galaxies, the limitless universe that constantly is expanding. And science has proven that it's still expanding. And God has declared it was him, and it is him. He is the one who spreads out them like a curtain. There's no way in the ancient world they could have understood this. This is divine wisdom. Verse 25. To whom will you liken me, that I would be his equal? Who can you compare to me? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name. Not one of them goes missing. Do you know how many stars there are? This is the current estimate. 
There are enough stars in the universe currently for every human being on this planet right now to get, I believe it was six trillion stars, if even that, maybe even more than that at this point. You alone could own six trillion stars, and there would still be enough in the universe for everyone. That is how big this universe is. It just boggles the mind. Why would God make such a boundless universe? And yet here we are on this one planet, not even able to see and discover everything that's out there. Why? Because he can do it. And he made himself glory. He satisfied himself. But he also did it for us too. For us to glory and to marvel. Not to marvel at, wow, this created itself by complete accident, but rather the one who made it. Worship the one who made it. Verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God, that you can hide from God, that you can do things in secret and he not know? Do you not know? Have you not heard? Do you even know who you're talking about? The everlasting God does not grow weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable, meaning that it is inconceivable. It is unsearchable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks, he increases their power. And then we see that famous portion of Scripture that the youth will rise up like eagles. Those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary, both literally and spiritually. Very fascinating chapter, isn't it? This is definitely one you want to spend a lot of time in this week, especially as we near Christmas at the time of this recording. It is Monday. I am behind the eight ball when it comes to getting these ahead of time. But Christmas is right around the corner. This is an excellent time to stop and really digest who God is. Not only through the person of Jesus Christ, but also who he has declared himself to be in the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is perhaps one of the most beautiful places of Scripture that defines who God is and how he describes himself. Chapter 41 is one that really defines God in comparison to idols and how he is able to do the things that the humans claim idols can do, but they really can't. They are powerless. They have no spirit in them. But yet God has all the power and all the majesty. Now, verses 8 and 9 are directly to the nation of Israel, but in some ways this can be attributed to us spiritually. Because if we understand, especially the book of Hebrews, it teaches that we are spiritual children of Abraham because of our ownership in Jesus Christ. We are friends of God in the same way that Abraham is our spiritual father. You who I have taken from the ends of the earth. He's not talking about Israel, because Israel was not at the ends of the earth at this time. He's talking about us. And called you from its remotest parts and said to you, you are my servant. He called us his own. He has adopted us into his family. 
I have chosen you and have not rejected you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I promise I will do this. Have confidence in me. I am able to do it, and I want to do it above all. How amazing is our God. I am the Lord your God, verse 13, who upholds your right hand, who says to you, do not fear. I will help you. God delights in helping us. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need our affections. He has perfect communion with himself. He's the creator of all things. He doesn't need anything. There's nothing we can give him he doesn't already have. But what he delights in is doing good. He delights in doing good things for us. But he wants us to have faith in him and to work for him. He promises that he will supply all of our needs. Even when, and you see in the prophecy here, that you will be taken away into exile, Israel, he's still going to take care of you. Then we see an interesting piece of scripture here at the end beginning in verse 21, we see God challenging the people, present your case, bring forth your strong arguments, and then explain to me why idols are correct. I challenge these idols to prove that they are gods. And afterwards, he's going to conclude that these idols are completely useless, and you have been wasting your time and efforts in worshiping and creating them, when the Lord your God is very much aware, and he is here, and he is paying attention, and he wants you to know him. This is the God we serve, and I hope we see that better today, more clearly. That's all that I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.